It was about 25 hours ago that we broke the news that there was another entry into the Republican race for the U.S. Senate. Uh, joining Mike Rogers, uh, former police chief James Craig and others is the former West Michigan Congressman Peter Meyer, who joins us live this morning as a newly minted candidate for Senate. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. Uh, we're delighted to uh, see more voices and more ideas in the race. Um, obviously, uh, you are, a, 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 I think your conservative credentials are are certainly, your bona fides have been well established, but there is this 800-pound orange-haired gorilla in the room, and, <laughs> and you know, he, uh, he didn't support you for Congress. Do you think that Donald Trump could be an impediment to your aspirations for the U.S. Senate? I, I think he does not weigh 800 pounds. Let's be let's be honest. But um, I, I mean, he certainly is not somebody who is afraid of expressing his opinion. I think that's you know where a lot of folks come around and say, hey, you know, we uh, we like somebody who tells it as he sees it. Um, and so I will. It'll be curious to see if he weighs in on this race. At the end of the day, I wouldn't be surprised if he did. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't. Uh, my message to the voters, though, is that whoever will be in this seat. Regardless if the next presidential candidate is, you know, one of the or the next president is either Donald Trump in a second non-consecutive term or Joe Biden in his last term. Um, if it's either of them, uh, the next senator from the great state of Michigan will serve at least two years beyond either of those gentlemen. Right. So while, you know, obviously the presidential election is top of mind, I think it's equally important to make sure that we have candidates, you know, in legislative offices who are able to either offer a check on that president if it's a uh, president of the opposite party or you know, work with that president if they're of their own party to make sure the best policies are put forward. Peter, the uh, Michigan Republican Party uh, posted a statement on uh, X yesterday, um, basically uh, talking about your vote um, for uh, the impeachment of Donald Trump for his role in instigating uh, the situation that took place at the U.S. Capitol. And then they retracted it they took it they took it back they said that it was done by an overzealous intern um what do you think about the, the michigan republican party and the fact that you turn something like that some type of messaging you know about a senate race to a, a intern if that's what happened i'm a big believer in grace and i think uh, who among us hasn't fired off a social media post in the heat of the moment that then they look back and say, oh, maybe that was a little bit ill-informed. Now, usually when I do something along those lines, it's not that often, but occasionally it's, you know, uh, after after a couple of drinks in the evening as opposed to maybe the, you know, early morning or, or mid, uh, mid-morning. mid But I think it's just emblematic of the fact that there's just a lot of folks who are reacting out of haste. Um, and, and frankly, that's part of the political system that I am – here to try to offer something a little bit different, something a little bit more long-term. My campaign is not about the here and now. My campaign is about how do we get to the point where by 2050, we're in the middle of the next great American century. What are the policies that will lead us there? And what is the pathway to make sure that those policies can actually be implemented so that vision is achievable? You, sir, went to West Point. You were deployed in Iraq. You did disaster relief in Afghanistan. What with your background, what do you bring to the table, especially with the world the way it is right now? Uh, I'm the type of guy that has no issue in ambiguous, you know, or or chaotic situations. I mean, I'm frankly more comfortable there than when things are orderly and normal and routine. Um, but a lot of my experience overseas you know, led me to the belief that you cannot make snap judgments. You need to appreciate the complexity of a situation. You need to look at all of the variables and not just 
again, not just get caught up in, in what is in front of you, but also what are all of the deeper trends that maybe this is just the tip of the iceberg, but you need to know what's below the surface as well. And I think that's one of the challenges of talking foreign policy in a, in a moment where everything kind of needs to be black or white, you know, left or right, um, you know, these very easy, you know, kind of simple uh, dynamics when Internet, international affairs, especially when you're talking something as, as deeply entrenched and complex as the Middle East crisis, um, you know, if you give me 10 hours, we can have a great conversation. But in 10 seconds, it's probably not going to do it justice. We, uh, if, if, you, if you look at the race as it now stands, I think James Tr- Craig is going to try to lay claim to being the most MAGA of, of uh, the, the leading candidates. Um, but when, when voters try to distinguish between your virtues and Mike Rogers, you two check a lot of the same boxes. He has uh, more experience, perhaps, in, in the intelligence field and things like that. <laughs> but you both are uh, veterans who, who bring a, a strong conservative credentials. But help to draw, to distinguish yourself from Mike Rogers and why you think that you're the better choice. Absolutely. And now, I don't want to trash any of the other candidates. I have a lot of respect for each of them. No, not uh, asking you to gonna, do that. No, yeah, and, yeah. and I know you wouldn't anyway. You're a good guy. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. I mean, I would say probably the biggest difference is, you know, the um, I'm probably far more sympathetic to those who you know, are favorable to Donald Trump because of the way that he came through the Republican Party, you know, as it was in the, the 2000s and the 2010s. Um, I, I shared a lot of those same frustrations in a party that had just kind of grown out of touch with its voters. Uh, and so while I, you know, kind of look at the party as it was, you know, back in the pre-Trump era and say, okay, maybe there's some positive attributes and organizational attributes we can take forward. Uh, we need to have a clear distinction. We need to have a clear forward-looking message. And we shouldn't just go back to the way things were because, you know, there were some positive things there, uh, but there were also a lot of areas to complain. So I'm very much a forward-looking candidate uh, rather than making an argument that we need to go back to the way things were. Uh, also, um, U.S. Representative Alyssa Slotkin uh, is considered the front runner for the Democratic nomination. So, on that side, what's the, what difference? What's the difference between you and Representative Slotkin in your mind? Yeah, so Alyssa and I served, served together. Uh, we worked on a number of pieces of legislation together, um, most notably around toxic exposure legislation for veterans who had uh, suffered ailments as a result of burn pits from their military service. Um, at the end of the day, you know, I think Alyssa's she's smart, she's capable. Um, I, my biggest frustration was that she talked a lot as a moderate when it came down to where she put her votes. Uh, she was a reliable Democratic vote. I think she differed from Speaker Pelosi on, on literally one vote over the course of the 117th Congress <laughs> on one major vote. Um, now, as you mentioned earlier, the uh, 800-pound gorilla or, or whatever is weighing in that, um, you know, obviously, I, I differed on more than one vote <laughs> with many of my colleagues. And I think it's important that Michigan, you know, have a voice who, you know, whatever their party affiliation is not afraid to say, OK, well, but is this in the best interest of the state? Is this in the best interest of the country? Uh, and make decisions with that first and foremost. Uh, just 35 years old, just had your first child, which will be your hardest job of your life. Uh, but how will you appeal to younger voters? Because a lot of people feel out of touch with uh, the people who've been in Washington forever. Oh, I, I, as somebody who um, got rejected by both sides of the aisle pretty uh, in a quite noteworthy fashion, and I think is evidenced um, by my launch, I think I had the 
the establishment and, and kind of folks who are, are more on one side, uh, both coming out and locking arms and saying, oh, we don't like this guy within about 30 minutes of each other. Yeah, you want an outsider candidate, <laughs> look for the guy who's making enemies left, right and center. Right. And that's not because of uh, personal differences uh, so much as somebody who truly represents a threat to what uh, to their cozy little nests uh, that are that frustrating element for a lot of people. Peter, a lot of uh, politicians pay lip service to fiscal responsibility and will publicly wring their hands about the deficit and the debt and then not do a doggone thing about it once they're elected. And the, both sides of the aisle have dirty, dirty hands on this. How will you change that conversation? And how do we know that, you know, when it comes to an omnibus bill that you won't sign off on it? Yeah. I mean, I try to look at everything on its merits. If there's more good than bad, um, you know, I'm not going to let one thing be the sticking point. I tried to fight against some of the trillion dollar deficit legislation like the American Rescue Plan uh, and other efforts. Uh, and, you know, if, if you can stop the train, great, stop the train. If you can put it on a, a less dangerous track, try to put it on a less dangerous track. So I don't view those things in black and white. The reality is we're not going to get our spending in order until we have a, a fiscal commission to both get us to a point where we maybe have a, uh, uh, well, we have some disciplining mechanisms apart from just the debt limit uh, and and our current you know uh, uh, BICRA approach, and that at the same time we need to be looking at our entitlements because you can get all of our discretionary spending in line, and we will still be spending far more than we're taking in because Congress yeah. has you know just completely ignored trying to make trying to get to the point where Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid don't go bankrupt. Number one, we'll, yeah. we'll look at. 10% cuts within a decade if we don't take action, um, but then also in the longer term, make sure that those are fiscally sustainable. Actually, I think the cuts are double that. I think it's approaching 24% if uh, Social Security and Medicare go under. Uh, you realize that right now the Democratic Party is whipping up a press release saying that you're coming after people's Medicare because you believe in, in reforming 100%. and protecting Medicare. Oh, wait for the commercial. There's a template. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're already in their sights. This had, The same thing happened to Rogers when he mentioned it on That's this right. uh, show. So we welcome your, your voice and your ideas, Peter Meyer. We look forward to future conversations. Best of luck with the, with the baby and the candidacy. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. It's 745 on News Talk 760. When we come back, the Big Ten formally telling University of Michigan uh, there could be a, a spanking of sorts coming. What might that look like? How does the university defend itself? That's ahead. JR Morning.